Welcome to MPO Sports Podcast. This is our Season 2, Episode 5. Um, if you've been listening to us, you would have heard our AFL-specific show that came out earlier on this week. And now we deal with all the other sports. So we just sort of felt that it was more important um, to get a bit more uh, AFL done separately because it does take a lot of time being our native sport here. So tonight we will be dealing with the world game, which we have quite a bit to discuss. Um, the NBA, uh, a little bit of combat sports, which is boxing focused. And then we'll have a couple of our regular stuff, such as um, the Mount Rushmore and it's only money, which is our multi-segment. Our Mount Rushmore is related to the World Game, in fact, EPL. So we will uh, discuss that as part of our opening segment on the World Game. Now, joining me as normal is Aaron. So how are you going, Aaron? Going well, Jim. How about yourself? Um, <clears throat> not too bad, but the um, result of the Europa was a bit uh, disappointing when you lose in uh, penalties, but we'll discuss that later. We'll uh, get on to that a bit later. <laughs> And joining us for this opening segment, which is the World Game, is our resident producer, editor, slash soccer expert or World Game expert, Josh. How are you going, Josh? Yeah, I'm not too bad, fellas. How are you? It's good to be back. It's been a while. I've, I've been uh, editing the episodes. We're not, you know, appearing. So I'm yeah. glad to be here for the World Game because there's a lot to discuss. There certainly with, is. Yeah. There yeah. certainly is, mate. And we really appreciate your... Uh, participation in this episode um, on screen as well as behind the scenes. So let's um, hit hit it running and something that's very true to my heart and also Josh's heart, pardon the pun, um, but people that know Melbourne City would know they started off as Melbourne Hearts um, about 11 years ago and have finally got real dinky dye silverware. Yeah, boy. What, what were your thoughts, guys? Uh, I'll let Aaron go first because uh, I'll I'll ramble a bit. So, <laughs> no, 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 that's what you're here for. As, right, uh, as, right. as a few regular listeners will know, <laughs> I don't pay a lot of attention to to uh, the A League. So, um, you're here, so you may as well make the yeah. most of it. Well, so one word: uh, roller coaster, massive roller coaster. What it's been because um, I started I started supporting the club when they were Melbourne Heart and my mate Andrew got me into the sport of football, the world game itself. So but yeah, it's just a massive roller coaster. This is the first team I ever supported, I ever put my money into and everything like that. And it's just a massive roller coaster. And I couldn't uh, describe the emotions that day when we lift the Premier's plate because I went off and a lot of um you know, Andrew went off and a lot of other fans went off and just be- a massive roller coaster to hold back tears. I'm not a massive crier, so I have to hold back tears because it's just a massive roller coaster over 10 years in the making. And um, it's been, just been a great season. You know, it started off with, um, you know, Melbourne Hart and Aloisi in that season where we finished last. That was not great to watch, but, you know, it is what it is. And then you're moving on to when um, uh, CFG bought the club. No one knew what to expect. They promised a lot of things. And they, they did deliver on facilities and um, and scouting and whatnot. And some players like Cahill and Via, only three, four games he played. But overall, massive roller coaster. You know, going from JVS, good football, but never won anything. Then going into Warren Joyce. Well, look, a lot of controversy with Warren Joyce. No one liked the football he played on the pitch, but he did instill a tough culture and... 
and a good culture and a great mentality. I will give him credit for that, and he did bring in good youngsters as well. Gosh, funny you say yeah. that because yeah. Yeah. a lot of the senior players that were that are still with us that were in the Joyce era have nothing but positive stuff to say about him, like yeah. um, Jamo, Jamo in yeah. particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could see, you could see he wanted to change the culture and all that, and he did. And I'll, you know, I'll always give him credit and other fans too, but he just didn't play the football that would win uh, titles, let's put it that way. And then in comes Eric Monbert and uh, Paddy Kisnorbo. And Eric Monbert changed the way we played, you know, the city way, as they call it, and, you know, got us the second, the grand final, an FFA Cup final, and we didn't exactly, you know, win anything last season. But coming to this season um, with Paddy Kisnorbo, I'm just happy for him because he was, you know, he's coached the youth, coached the women's team, won titles there assistance for all the coaches and then he comes on and takes over and then he's won the premier's plate like it can't get any any better than that and i can't be more happy for pk uh, the, uh, the other yeah. thing too of pk yeah. josh is yeah this season there was question marks in the first five rounds yeah, whether he was exactly up to right. it so you gotta exactly weigh right. that up as well exactly right look look i think it was just more of like an um all the players trying to get used to this brand and um, also getting used to Paddy's tweaks on things. And I think Paddy wanted to the team to be more aggressive. And we were, but we copped a lot of red cards mm-hmm. and yellow cards. So I think after that fifth round where we lost to Jets 1-0 away, I believe. And then after that, um, when we won the Derby 6-0, I think that was the real turning point. And the Western United game as well is another turning point. But and then, yeah, we went on a massive streak and we started to play our way and dominate games. And, and, not other teams knew what to uh, do against us because we were the fittest team in the comp. We would press, 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 win the ball, score goals. And Jamie McLaren, you can't, you know, well, 25 goals. He could have broken the record if um, he didn't have a wedding and, you know, COVID-19 and all that. But, yeah, it's been a great season overall and I could not be more proud of the club and the staff as well. You know, the staff has been fantastic as well and all the people that's been there since day one. It's a massive roller coaster. That's all I can say. I'll well, stop my rambling. Yeah, I'll let you guys go. Now, now Josh, um, <laughs> even the game where where it made it official, I watched it from home because, as yeah. you know, <clears throat> with fixturing and that and living in Ballarat, it's made it difficult to get to games. Um, I must say, the game itself was a roller coaster. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I was probably lucky watching it from home where. I knew what was going on, more so knowing from experience when I'm at games, when they go to VAR and that, you're wondering what the hell they're looking at. And um, I'll be brutally honest, the goal that won it, won the game, probably another nine times out of ten probably would have been disallowed because of the the physicalities. Yeah, uh, they'll say a lot of controversy and whatnot. And um, the noon goal, the one you're talking about, yeah, yeah, nine times out of ten would have been paid a free kick against. But um, yep. it was just a massive uh, arm wrestle, and I don't know. I just feel like you couldn't take this day away from us. And either way, um, you know, with the other two decisions, the McLaren that got disallowed, and people say it wasn't correct, probably is correct because it hit his arm, <coughs> you know, before um the goal was scored. And then you come to the very last minute penalty, and in my opinion, not a penalty because uh, Vera Giddy backed into O'Neill and stepped on O'Neill's foot which caused him to fall over and then Birigidi tripped over. So I thought that decision was correct. To be brutally honest, yeah. I yeah. would have thought it was correct either way. I think it was a 50-50 um, yeah, yeah. personally. If it had have um, stayed sustained and been still a penalty, 
I would have thought as disheartening as it was, yeah, well, fair enough. But I also think, yeah, fair enough for disallowing the penalty as well. I thought it was very grave. Yeah, um, either so. either way, <laughs> I reckon we're going to lift the Premier's plate no matter what, even if the penalty was given and it was 1-1 and we got the point. I really think we still would have got the Premier's plate at, you know, at the end of the season. I would have been confident anyway, mm. you know, regardless. Well, it's got to happen that night. <clears throat> yep. All yep. I will say, because we've probably done enough of the Melbourne City show, yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> imagine you and me. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. I think about it day and night. That's only right. That's all I'll say. All right, so we'll move on to the next one, which is um, the EPL uh, final placings as far as the top four goes and the teams that we'll be saying goodbye to. We are still saying goodbye to teams in the EPL, aren't we? They're not doing similar to what um, some other sports have done and have no relegation, are they? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure the teams are still getting relegated and teams are still getting promoted. Oh, yep. awesome. So the three... <clears throat> Three, three teams have gone down, so obviously the season's all wrapped up, so everything's confirmed there. So Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham uh, are leaving the Premier League. Um, probably not a surprise with any of those, I wouldn't have yeah, thought. Two of them were we- predicted, yeah. But West Brom have been a yo-yo side for a long time, yeah. haven't they? They're up yeah, and they're exactly. down, and, exactly right. and that's it. Um, Fulham and Sheffield United were always going to struggle as well. Sheffield United had that one really good year. Um but then they, they've struggled since, so no real surprises there. Um, probably just how few points Sheffield had finished on was probably the only surprise. And um, we've now confirmed this morning with the um, championship playoff game, um, the three sides that are all coming up. So Norwich and Watford were their two promoted side, their two automatic promotion sides. And this morning, Brentford beat Swansea 2-0 in the playoffs. So they come up as well. Yeah, I watched that game. Um, Um, Which probably fitting that Brentford come up as well because we've actually got the the top three in the championship coming up now. So, um, yeah, obviously Norwich and Watford finished top two and then Brentford were the third place side. But they they still finished seven points ahead of Swansea who finished fourth as well. So we've, we've got the three best sides from the championship coming up. Yeah, That's I can't good. be. Yeah, I can't be more happy for Brentford. You know, with their story and their journey from National League all the way to the Premier League. Now, I cannot be more happy for that club. So, I've always wanted them to be in the Premier League. I pose. So, it, yeah. I pose this question though: Is it good for the Premier League to have a Welsh team in there? Oh, there's been <laughs> Welsh teams in and out of the Premier League for a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's nothing new. No, but Swansea were in there for a little while. Yeah, for a few years. Um, yeah. Cardiff, yeah. Cardiff have been Cardiff, been around yeah. a bit too recently. Yeah. yeah, no, I just sort of wondered if um, it's actually good for the game having a Welsh team in, even though it's great for the three that are going up, but it was just a question there. Um, I'll well, tell you who it's great for <clears> is Brentford um, because the, the championship game guarantees them about £180 million, pounds, so... Um, it's it's the richest game in the world. So the way the TV yep. rights work over there is they're split evenly between all twenty clubs. So the good thing is your your rich clubs aren't getting richer by getting a bigger slice of the pie. Is it's split evenly? So it's worth about one hundred and eighty million pounds to Brentford for winning that game. And that will definitely help them spend a little bit of money to be competitive. I'd imagine. Um, yeah, right. they'll spend a little bit to be competitive, but they've also. Um, especially being a smaller club and coming up, as Josh said, through the ranks, um, 
they probably need to pocket a lot of it um, for sustainability. Yeah. So don't don't expect them to go and just splash the cash. Even if they spend eighty million on a decent player and banked a hundred. Well, yeah, that's right. They're obviously not going to spend that much money because who would, who's worth eighty million dollars that would go to eighty million pounds that would go to Brentford, but um, yeah, it's that that's the problem too. Like with a lot of the the clubs that get promoted, as everyone thinks, oh, they've got all this money, they can go spend it. But the thing is, they they do bank a lot of it for that sustainability because if they stay up, they've got to um, <clears throat> update their grounds and facilities and all that sort of stuff. So it's a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah, and just uh, just quickly, I, I believe that they've got a lot of players in that team that can compete at um, Premier League level. If you look at Ollie Watkins, he went to Aston Villa from Brentford. Yep. And yeah, he's he's done pretty well for Aston Villa, I would imagine. And then you got Ben Rama, who went to West Ham. He didn't get much game time, I believe, but I still reckon it's pretty good for Brentford. You know, players, uh, they got a bit of money from those players as well. And I reckon they've got a lot of more players in their team that can compete. So I don't, yeah, I don't right. imagine they have to spend that much. They, they they play a team game as well, so they're not yeah. they're not reliant on on one or two players as such, and that's that's another reason that they may not go and splash the cash because they might have faith in their system and what they've been doing. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no worries. Um, all right, so we'll move on to um, a bit of the Europe games and the Europa League final. Um, now, just before we go into it, I just want to say a um, hello to Phil Kimber that couldn't help himself but splash all over <laughs> Facebook that um, wasn't it great to see United lose. Now, all I can say is Arsenal says it all. Enough, Moving said. For- <laughs> enough said. Moving forward, um, I did um, I did watch um, bits and pieces of the game while it was on. And then did my usual three-minute highlight replay thing because yeah. you usually see everything that happens in that three minutes anyway. And <clears throat> why Ollie didn't substitute the Hayer, who's a yes, known, yep. a known, yeah, exactly. to, a great goalkeeper, but known to struggle. Penalties is not his strong point. Where um, he had a guy on the bench that actually is quite good at saving penalties. Did that cost us the Europa Cup? Josh, uh, yeah, that probably would have been one of them to be honest. So that was definitely a big, a big, uh, big reason why why we did. But another thing, another thing is I don't even know if De Gea should have started that game to be honest because he's been in and out from the starting eleven, and Hendo's been the starting keeper. So I don't know why he just decided to start De Gea. I think but, he um, started because yeah. he started in the semi. Yeah, oh, fair enough. But, hmm. but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of rotating keepers around, like you know, like every two games. I believe you should just have one keeper that plays every game, and then you play your bench keeper, like in cup game, like in you know Carabao FA Cup games. But well, and that's what yeah. they used to use Romero for, anyway. Yeah, exactly right. And it's not it's not just that. I just felt I felt like we had our chances to either equalize or win the game, even you know that. That um one on uh, not one on one, but that cutback Rashford had, he should have chucked it on target at, at the latest, or you know. And I just want to mention that he did not deserve to cop so much abuse on Twitter straight after the game, and he, you know, he uh, spoke out about it, and you know, I'll give him credit for that. But Rashford's done a lot, you know, off the pitch, you know, in terms of for the kids in England and for the poverty and all that. So you know, giving him so much shit. Uh, Sorry for the language, but I don't think he deserved it. 
know, and and if people don't believe it, just tune yeah. into Manchester United Foundation um, on YouTube, and yeah. you see what the players give to the community. Um, and that, like, um, if, for people to think, for example, Slatan Ibrahimovic is an arrogant sod. Watch some of the clips. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly right. And um, look, Villarreal, uh, they played a good game. They defended very well mm. against us. I'll give them credit for that. And and um, yeah, and then yeah, and then the penalties, yeah, <laughs> went all the way down to the wire. And De Gea, he's not pronounced for scoring penalties, so. You know, and Rule really had that covered, and they just won it. You know, by the last by the last penalty that you can take before they had to restart the penalties. So yeah, it just came down to the wire <clears> this game. But we had our chances to win it in the 120 minutes. I did Literally read somewhere where um, on one of the social media sites for Manchester United, where people were saying that um, uh, Rashford probably shouldn't have even played because um, he's carrying an injury. Yeah, that was yeah that, that was another thing. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have if he was carrying an injury. But I guess Ola felt like he <laughs> he needed him to play. But um, I'll give all uh, toots to bloody Cavani though. He's had a fantastic season. Not a lot of people, you know, thought he would do well. But I reckon he's been one of our best players this season. I and would argue pop- yeah, the guy in the up. box is still yeah. well. He's still. He's not a yeah. world-class player, but his box play is world-class. Yeah, still. exactly, exactly, exactly right. And he's probably been our best signing this season. And he's showed up. He showed up and scored when it mattered. It's just, yeah, it's just some other players went missing. That, he's got some great yeah. smarts too, hasn't he? Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. All right. So moving on, that's enough of the Manchester United yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on to the Champions League, which... Had a Manchester feel to it. And all I can say as a Manchester United fan, I loved every minute of the result. What are your thoughts, guys? Uh, you, you want to go first, Aaron? Or you want to... Um, yeah, I'll make it quick. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Look, just, just going into the game, obviously, being a Spurs fan, I would have had very little interest in the game. But my only interest was um, I wanted City to lose. <laughs> yeah. They, um, they haven't won a Champions League before, and the longer that trends continue, the better it is. Because, um, look, I, I just don't like the club and what they stand for because they've just they've come from nowhere and they've just been bought out, and all of a sudden they've got fans coming out the woodwork. And um, one thing that you can't buy is history, and um, they'll never have that. So, um, yeah, as long as they stay trophyless in Europe, um, the happier I'm going to be. <laughs> and I mu- and I must say, um, they're really, as far as history goes, it's like the book was in the library and it got burnt because there is no history. No, that's right. And what a lot of these um, Manchester City fans, and I'll say fans in quotation marks, is the club actually existed before 2005 and not many of them seem to know that. They, uh, they're a championship side for a long time and then all of a sudden they got oil money and... Um, the bandwagon <laughs> filled up. Oh, um, I'll, I'll I'll say my thoughts. Uh, yeah, my my sleep my sleep was gone, but you know it was it was well worth it because I wanted Man City to lose as well. And people say so odd that you go for Melbourne City, but you don't <laughs> go for Manchester City. And yeah, I I don't know. I'm with Aaron. I've never I've never like liked their club or respect their club at all. But um. I'm glad they lost because Chelsea, you know, 
I am a United fan. We're meant to not like them, not like to not like the club or the fans, but I wanted them to win. I didn't want Man City to win at all. And uh, my mate Andrew, he's a diehard Chelsea fan, so I was more happy for him than anything. And uh, and happy for Tuch as well because he lost the uh, grand, uh, the sorry, the final with PSG, and then he won it with Chelsea yeah. only a few months into the job. And See, the they, thing is, too, it wasn't yeah. actually – the game itself yeah. wasn't a spectacle either, really, was no. it? It was very, very lacklustre. It was an arm wrestle, though. It was an arm wrestle. Like, Man City came at them every attack, and they just defended ever so well. Like, their defending was so solid. And Kai Havertz, their record um, signing, uh, club signing, he ended up scoring the goal for them, and he was probably one of the best players on the pitch uh, this morning. And uh, N'Golo Kante, he was fantastic as well. And – you know, everyone's got to watch the video of Havertz's interview when they asked him about him being a record signing, and he just says, "I didn't give an f about that. I uh, we won the f and Champions League. Uh, everyone should watch that. That was the funniest thing ever." But yeah, well, that's the thing yeah. too. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter how much he cost; he was a big part of them winning the Champions League. So, off. Um, yeah. money well spent, really, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. But that's why you spend money on the big names and the big players is to win your trophies and. Um, He's done his bit already in the short time he's been there, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly right. And the only reason um, Chelsea won it is because they got rid of Lampard. I just want to be be controversial. They wouldn't have won it with Lampard. I don't think that's controversial at all. (laughs) No, no, it's factual. Yeah, 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 too true. Yeah, you've got to give him all the credit. (laughs) You've got to give him all the credit for sure. Yeah, and look, end of the day, um, Chelsea supporters, don't get ahead of yourselves because I remember watching the goodies and they used to upset Bill, one of the characters, by calling him a Chelsea supporter. So what I'm saying is your history is, eh, it's better than Manchester City's. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, moving on. Um, we're now Harry Kane. Like every second yep. parade or, you know, um, what are they caught? Um, what's the period called? It's the, not the transfer trade, window. Transfer window. That's yeah, the, the right word. Yes. Every second bloody post is Harry Kane United or Harry Kane Chelsea or Harry Kane City. Where's he going to go? Well, um, I'll give him, I'll give him all the credit. He's probably, you can argue probably been the best player in the premier league this season, just by stats alone. Absolutely insane for a striker. Uh, where does he go? That's a massive question because there is there's a lot of manager movement happening in the window. Like you got Conte leaving Inter, you got Zidane leaving Madrid, and then you got uh, apparently Poch might be coming back to Spurs, and that's the big talking point. But look, if he does decide to leave PSG, which I don't think he will, but if he does and he goes back to Spurs, will Harry Kane stay in that case? But I don't think so. He wants to win trophies, and his destination is probably going to be. In my opinion, Man City, because they got the they got the money to splash with no financial fair play as well. So I'll, I'll take this yeah. from a Spurs fan's yeah. perspective, yeah. Yeah. Um, and everyone knows what Twitter's like. So there's going to be a lot of Spurs fans when he does leave, because let's be honest, he's not going to stay. Even if Poch comes back, there's no chance Harry Kane's staying, and um, he'll get a lot of hate from the Spurs fans, but completely unwarranted because Harry Kane has been at the club. His, his whole career. Um, he signed a um, couple of contracts, extensions, um, and the club promised him trophies. Um, the club's failed to deliver on that. And if he wants to go and win trophies, 
um, good luck to him, I say, because he's given absolutely everything he could have to Tottenham. Um, so th- this year, for example, like Josh just said, he's probably been the best player this season. That's that's unquestionable. He has been because he won the golden boot and he finished top of the assist um, leaderboard as well. And in the Premier League history, there's only been four or five guys to ever do that. Um, so fair enough, he might leave, but he's left everything he's had on the pitch and given everything to Tottenham and he's leaving after arguably his best season ever. So don't question what the bloke's done for the club because he's given more than we could have ever asked of him. And if he wants to go and win trophies, good luck to him, I say. Um, and I hope he does win trophies wherever he goes, but I've just got a feeling that um, he might um, be wearing that uh, red shirt that you two guys are, are big fans of. Well, it's funny enough, it seems from what I'm hearing or reading on media and that, and that includes a few British newspapers, but I know you can't always trust the media, is Tottenham seem to be more keen to have talks with United than what they do City. I don't know if that'll have anything to do with the outcome. I'm not sure. But um, I'm looked, City, yeah. City are obviously going to come with more money. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but... Yeah. I don't think which that that's going to interest Daniel Levy, obviously. Yeah. But I think, given what Harry Kane's done for the club, um, we don't just send him to the highest bidder. We send him to the club of his choice because we're going to get minimum eighty million pounds for him. Well, that's absolute is- minimum. Most likely a hundred or mm-hmm. or more. Um, but as I said, he's given absolutely everything to the club and. Fair enough, he wants to go, that's fine. But we owe it to him to work with him to get him to where he wants to go. And if he wants to go to, to United for 15 or 20 million pounds less than City or Chelsea offer, then more than happy to see him do that. See, the word on the street I've got is he wants to go to City. I've, um, I've, well, I've read... He wants to play with De Bruyne. That's one thing I've heard. But as you said, how much of the media can you trust? Yeah. So, but uh, apparently, there's a thing going around where he said to someone that he he wants to play with De Bruyne. But if that's the case, good luck to him. But <clears throat> yeah, let's not let's not just make it all about money. Let's let's give the bloke um, the club that he wants because he he's deserved that choice. Well, funny funny enough, the the one trump card United has over um, City is there might be a player going back the other way if they deal with United too. Yeah, which might be more to Tottenham's liking as and well. And that's the thing, like Spurs would pretty much have their pick of player, wouldn't they? Really? Yeah. Th- oh, look, there's, be there's not too there's not too many untouchables at United, really. Well, I, I, I heard I have heard the Greenwood name come up as a going the other way, and to be honest, um, would be a good future investment for Tottenham because the kid's shown enough already at his young years that he's going to be a superstar. So that wouldn't be a bad deal. Plus the money as well. Yeah, there'll be a lot of haggling over the money that comes back in return, obviously. Yeah. Oh, well, so that's Harry Kane in a nutshell. So we know he's not going to be wearing the old white for the Spurs next year. Let's just um, stay tuned and see how the transfer window plays out. Now, our last segment, oh, or sorry, discussion point on the World Game is our Mount Rushmore this time around is EPL greats. Um so that's basically from, I think, when the EPL started in 91 or 1991 or the other. What year did it start, guys? Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm thinking 92 maybe, so you're not far off there. Yeah, I, I reckon 
I'll, I'll get on the Google. But so basically, our um, <clears throat> our Mount Rushmore is going to be the four best greats that we've seen in the EPL. All right. So I'll throw to Josh first, and I'll do a little bit of research why he's um, rattling off his four. Uh, 1992. I've just 1992 was their first season. Uh, all right. Um, there's there's <laughs> there's so many players you can pick from, but um, one of one of them one of them that pops up to my head um is Alan Shearer. So yeah, I just feel like you have to have him in the four because he's the highest goal scorer in history. So you just got to have him there, and he was just so instrumental. And you know, I wasn't you know I wasn't like alive back when he when he when he, in his good days but i have watched you know videos and andrew watched a lot more of him than i did and he apparently was a really good player so i'll have him there um in now, terms he was of, newcastle united wasn't he yeah newcastle uh, started united. at started at blackburn he won a title yeah. with blackburn and then yeah. went to newcastle yeah. played yeah. the bulk of it at newcastle yeah correct yeah. yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and um I for a Man United player, I gotta have um, I gotta have Giggs there because I reckon he's just he was a fantastic player for United, and everybody can everybody's been singing his praises, and I get annoyed every time when he gets compared with Salah these days, and we will not go down that road. But yep, <laughs> anyway, but he's got to be there, and um, ah, uh, and uh, another two um, I'll I'll honestly because I've always liked him, I feel like he should be there is Terry Henry because I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. And I believe he should be there. And um, the the very last one, um, there's so many you can choose from. Uh, I I gotta well I gotta have Roy Keane. I don't know. I gotta have Roy Keane. They, it would have been out of him or Beckham for me. But yeah, Roy Keane, because you know his mentality and his winning mentality and his aggression, I absolutely admire. You know when he played back then, he was just an absolute winner and he was good for the team. And yeah, that's all. That's all I'm going to have for my Mountain Rushmore. There's so many other names there you can mention. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Is Aaron next? Yeah, yeah go. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it next. So, yeah. um, as, as Josh said, there's so many players that you can pick from and so many different paths you can go down. But what I'm going to do <clears> is I'm just going to pick um, one player off each line. So, I'll go a striker, a midfielder, defender, and a goalkeeper. Oh, that's a good way to go. Um, so, I'll start from the very back. Um, and that's Peter Schmeichel. Um, I've I haven't seen a better goalkeeper in my time. Um, and there's a lot of other people that will probably agree with that. Um, as far as defenders go, now I put a fair bit of thought into this one, and I went back and forth a few times, but I'm gonna settle on Nemanja Vidic. Now, he didn't spend as lot or as long a time in the Premier League as a lot of others, but um, from your centre back, what you want is someone who's uncompromising and dominant. And that's exactly what you got with Vidic. Um, worthy. Yeah, definitely worthy. He, um, yeah. And, and you want your, you probably want your centre back to be a little bit crazy as well. And <laughs> who. Why not a Serbian, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go to my striker next because I want to leave the next bloke for last, you know, the midfielder for last. Um, I'm going to agree with Josh and go with Alan Shearer. He scored more goals than anyone else, so you don't need to make much of a case for him. 
But um, Harry Kane's probably going to go as close as anyone to his goal tally um, if he if he gets another four or five good years out of him. Um, and the last one is going to be a little bit controversial because when, when we talk about English midfielders... You're talking ginger, um, aren't you? Oh, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, so there's this debate that seems to rage on social media on who's better, Lampard or Gerard, Gerard, Lampard, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I'll tell you who is a more complete midfielder than both of them. And that was Paul Scholes. That's good. He choice. was he yeah. was the perfect box to box midfielder. Fair enough, Lampard and Gerard scored more goals, but Skulls did a lot more work and a lot more of the grunt work, and he's ju- just your workhorse box to box midfielder. Made the made the midfield tick as well, not to mention he did. Yeah, and I'll yeah. I'll take I'll take it back to oh, I can't remember. It was about late nineties, I think. And a reporter asked Zinedine Zidane. What does it feel like to be the best midfielder in the world? And his response was, I don't know. You'll have to ask Paul Scholes. So if he's good enough for Zidane, he's good enough for me. Yeah, fair enough. All right, here's my four. And my last one that I will mention is left field. But people will agree or have to agree that he's had the greatest impact on the EPL. All right. Now, my number one, my George Washington. There's no other man than the King, Eric Cantona. He played seven years, five titles. Now, one title was with Leeds and he came over to United and won the other titles. Now, the other thing you've got to um, remember, the year he missed at United was when he did the infamous Kung Fu Panda kick in the crowd and he got about nine months off. So who knows what would have happened with that United team if he had been on the park for the whole season and hadn't done that. So just bear that in mind. He's also the key to the class of 92. He's the guy that took him under his wing. And um, the class of 92, well, it's history, isn't it? You named, um, both of you are named members of it in your four. So what's that say? There'd be no class of 92 without Cantona there in their early development. Um, the next one I actually would say is Wayne Rooney. I believe... Um, he has a record for, is it the most goals in EPL? Because didn't Shearer kick some in the old Division 1? Oh, yeah. No, oh, no. Shearer still holds the record yeah, for Premier League goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, does he? Well, anyway, Wayne Rooney. Um, he certainly holds the record at United. And United won titles. My number three is Ryan Giggs. And mine are all all heavily um, united, unfortunately, because that's who I follow. And it's also probably my extensive knowledge of the game is united. Um, Ryan Giggs, I'll say before I mention my fourth one, honourable mention, because he will be in the top probably 10 of all time when he finishes. And that is the guy we spoke about earlier, Harry Kane. Hopefully he finishes his career as a United player. And number four, which is left field, but he is the father of EPL football. He didn't play EPL football, but he friggin' managed it, and that's Sir Alex Ferguson. We said EPL greats. We didn't necessarily say they had to be players. No, that's fair. That's right. No, to be honest, fair. I yeah, that's no, fair. Yeah. I, I, fair <clears throat> enough. I only considered players, but we didn't stipulate the criteria. So, well, let's face it. His record: twenty-six years coaching and thirteen titles. 
there's managers that dream of winning titles, let alone 13, that's, 26 That's not years. counting all the other trophies that he won. Uh, yes. I, I so, believe actually United had to build a special building just to put all um, Ferguson's wins in. That's how um, successful you know, he was. You know you've done all right when you've got more trophies than years in charge. And yes. uh, yeah, and no managers are you know no managers are succeeding in uh, succeeding and maintaining that type of level these days. You don't have managers staying for that long at one club these days. So I, just, I can't can't imagine any other manager going over him. But let's be brutally honest though. Yeah. yeah How yeah. can you compare any other manager in modern football now? To yeah, Sir Alex, because yeah. Sir Alex no, actually, right. yeah. as well as bringing the odd player in, he developed players. Like you look at the class of '92, right? These days, and this is why um, we may have one less member of MPO because of um, my opinion. But trying to say that um, a, a team doesn't buy a squad these days is bullshit. It's the modern way. Everyone does it. I'm not pointing the finger at any one club or anything like that. It, the way football is these days, they don't necessarily put much time into the youth because they need to be there now. So they buy t- they buy players. And if you're going to compete with teams like City, you have to buy players in. You don't develop them. Well, you, it's, it's wrong saying you don't, but the emphasis on developing players isn't the same as when Ferguson was around. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's fair. But the one yeah, thing, yeah. The, the thing, the, the biggest thing you've got to look at with... <laughs> Um, Ferguson is how far off the cliff did they fall when he left? Yeah, and oh, they yeah. still haven't they still haven't got back to the top. No, no, yeah, no, you're right. No, you're exactly and that's, right. That 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 speaks for itself, I think. And uh, I reckon he was just a great um, he was just a great cultural manager to have, and he was a great man manager. Like apparently he knew like everyone's parents, even like he knew every player's parents and their family. He knew he would yeah. always ask. How's uh, your mum, whatever her name was? How's your it? Like he just knew everyone and everything, and he was just a great, you know, a great person. He yeah, knew as, how to manage as all players. Yeah, as all players said. Any any great yeah. uh, any great professional coach manager manages egos, right? And here's an example. That's what he did. Yeah. yeah, same yeah. with Phil Jackson in the NBA. Manages egos. Even Kevin Sheedy in the AFL to an extent would have managed egos, and he's probably one of the greatest AFL coaches of all time. Like, they just have that about them. Here's an example, Sir Alex, on knowing how to manage an ego. Uh, Ryan Giggs was telling a story where they were at a function and Ryan and them are all in the black ties and that. And um, Sykes has pulled Ryan aside and said, what's with the tie and fixed the tie because it wasn't straight. In walks Eric Cantona in a linen suit, no tie. That's sort of, I think he might have even had runners on. <laughs> and he, he has the audacity to say in front of Ryan Giggs, now that's style. <laughs> that is style. Yeah, that that's just knowing how to um, manage a, a personality. Um, that's just brilliant. Um, it, it made I laughed for hours after hearing that what, story. What I think too, before we wrap this up, um, the biggest thing about him, and as you said, managing egos and all that sort of stuff. And we know he had his falling out with Roy Keane and David Beckham and a lot of other players during mm-hmm. their careers. Um, but the biggest ego in the room was always his, I think, and it needed to be. Mm. Yep. And and don't just think he was gifted a job at Manchester United. He won titles for Aberdeen in the Scottish Premier League, which is usually dominated by Rangers and Celtic. So the guy had what it takes before he Calibre. even went to Manchester yeah, United. Yeah, 100%. 
Anyway, yeah. well, that's come to the end of the world game. Now, I believe, Josh, you're going to leave us, are you? Yeah, yeah. Have to go. Got other stuff to attend no to. No worries. But I will look, be editing the episode. So awesome. And be. look, we appreciate you joining us. And can you just give your podcast a bit of a plug before you go? <laughs> no, no. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, it has uh, stopped. You know, due to you know other people being busy and COVID nineteen. Ah. But yeah, yeah. But my podcast was the Australian Football Podcast, and uh, it had an absolute pl- pleasure <laughs> uh, pleasure um, interviewing you know players from overseas and um, Simon Hill, a commentator for the A League. So and everyone wants him back for this new deal. Uh, broadcasting deal that's come about so yeah no it was an absolute honor interviewing those people and really getting my experience and podcasting up there but hopefully in the future i'll be doing more so yeah (laughs) well Um, i think i speak for tim here too when i say you're always welcome on ours so yep yeah easy and before you go maybe if if you haven't got the availability of your other um comrades that you do the australian football podcast with if you want to have a chat with Simon Hill, we'd be more than happy to have you and him on this one. All right. <laughs> I know you you're the one. That, I know that you've approached him in the past and had success, but we'd be we'd, it'd be awesome to talk to him about where he sees the uh, rights going, as in we know where they're going, but how it's going to grow and if it's good for the game going away from Fox, that sort of stuff. I'll, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do a. Um, a deal on air. So if he does get um, if he does get the coverage job at Paramount Plus and Channel Ten, yep. I'll ask him and it'll be announced. And if he tells me, I'll try to get him on here. So he that, can that'd talk be about awesome stuff. Yeah, and we'll yeah. we'll work around you and him to try and make yeah. it happen because I reckon exactly that'd be right. awesome for the podcast and awesome yeah. for football in Australia. Exactly right. All right, All right Josh, Cheers, fellas. Cheers. No fellas. worries. Yep. Catch you later, buddy. Catch you See later. Ya. So Josh has hit the road, and it's just myself and Woody left, and we're moving on to NBA and the play-in series. I think you've got an opinion on the play-in series is more what we've put it down for, Woody. Um, look, yeah, I do. Um, and look, the the first round of the playoffs is still still going. Um, I think I'm just going to double-check the stats here, but I think the only series that's been decided is the Bucks have swept their heat. Um, and I'm pretty sure all other, yeah, all the other series are still going. So they'll wrap up by the end of this week, and um, we'll get some clarity there. Your Lakers have, have taken the lead against Phoenix, and we're um, impressive in the second game in particular. Yeah, very much so. That um, that was very impressive. It really looked like that. Um, look, they're obviously not in top form, but um, AD 34 points, Drummond. Drummond, AD, and LeBron um, all seem to be finding their way with each other. So um, if they can do that and Schroeder and Kuzma and Caruso and these sorts of guys can chip in, um, there's no telling how far the Lakers will go, but that's enough about them. But even Um, Gasol might um, get a few rebounds, some of that just to give it a relief. Hopefully it all blends, but enough for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, that's right, but look, we know when when it push comes to shove that um, LeBron's going to be 
be right in the thick of it. And AD as well. Um, the Jazz have looked really good. Nuggets have looked looked okay. The Blazers had a big win. Um, but, yeah, we won't go into the results so no. much. Um, Philly look like they're going to sweep Washington as well. So they're looking more likely to come out of the East than anyone else at the moment. But what I wanted to say about the play-in series is just how ridiculous I think it is. Um, so this season was 72 games because it was shortened because of COVID. Normally they play an 82-game regular season. Now, the way this works is the top six in each conference got the top six seeds and then seven, eight, nine, and ten went into a playoff where seventh played eighth, ninth played tenth. The winner of seventh and eighth got the seventh seed. The loser would then play the winner of the ninth and tenth seeded game and the loser would obviously drop out. The way it worked out is um, one through eight in both conferences ended up finishing in that order with the play-in series as well, which was actually a good thing because the NBA and um, um, the executives there might realise just how ridiculous it is. If you're not good enough to make the playoffs after 72 or 82 games, I just don't see why you deserve another chance. Absolutely ridiculous to me. If you can't have a winning record after 72 games, why do you get a second chance? And this is highlighted in the Western Conference especially um, because San Antonio um, ended up in the playoffs placings but they finished nine wins behind the Lakers, who finished seventh. And they even finished five wins behind the um, ninth place team. So it's just absolutely okay. ridiculous to me. They finished with a record of 33 and 39 and still had just as much of a chance to make the playoffs as the Lakers did, who finished 42 and 30. Just absolutely ridiculous to me. And that's a Lakers. Um, but- and that's the Lakers team that was without AD and LeBron for some quite some time as well. That they yeah, that's behind. right. So we, look, they they could have been potentially seven or eight wins better off, even more. But just ridiculous. But the reason for it is the ratings plummet that the NBA have had over the last few years. I think they're just desperate to try and capture a market um, and bring any sort of excitement or exposure to it as they can, because the NFL is just killed every other sport in terms of ratings and exposure and revenue and everyone's trying to play catch up and um, the NBA to me just seemed to be getting a little bit desperate. Well my question is if if they've got a, a top six and make the others play play off to make the playoffs why not just have six make the playoffs like it just seems to be a joke you know Yeah that's right I'd, I'd be all for that as well um, but six teams making the playoffs means you know, 15 or 16 don't, and there's a big discrepancy of, you know, teams not playing for anything potentially for the last third of the season. So I understand why they have the the eighth and why they wanted the 10 teams in the mix. But for me, it just didn't work. I know a lot of people did like it, but for me, it just didn't work and it didn't sit right with me. It just seemed desperate. Yeah, no, nah, fair call. And um, you sort of flirted with the playoffs anyway, haven't you, in that sort of brief that you were talking about with the play Yeah. Yep. So that brings us on to Lauren Jackson, who's been, was it put into the Hall of Fame? 
Yeah, so she's been oh. inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame, um, which, to be honest, and I've said this to Tim off air, um, really did not get the exposure that it deserves. Um, <clears throat> Lauren Jackson is the greatest, most credentialed and successful basketball player Australia's ever produced. Um, and it sort of seemed to fly under the radar um, over here. Obviously, you don't know about in the US with all that sort of stuff and their exposure to it, but it hardly rated a mention. I'm just going to quickly go through a couple of her um, achievements. So she's a two-time WNBA champion where she was the finals MVP once as well. Three-time WNBA MVP, seven-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA first team, three-time WNBA scoring champion, WNBA All-Decade team, and the WNBA a few years ago also released their 15 greatest players of all time. They didn't rank them like most most um, outlets like to do. They just grouped their 15 greatest together and said, these are the best that we've ever had. And um, she was named in that. So you look at the the basketball market and obviously the, the talent that's over in America and um, through Europe as well. And um, she's as good as any of them that have ever played the game. So I've actually seen people, I've actually seen experts rank her as the best NBA WNBA player of yep. all time as well. So yep. she, she is had, in the discussion for sure. Yeah, she had this big rivalry with Lisa Leslie during her career. Um, so a lot of people will say Lisa Leslie's the best player they've seen, but there's also a, a contingent that'll say Lauren Jackson as well, which is just massive. And I don't think over here in Australia that we really um, made it as big a deal as we should have and really appreciated just what an achievement that is. So well, I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned mentioned <clears throat> that and give it some sort of exposure because she deserves every bit of it. Yeah, realistically, the closest you would argue with, with team success as well, um, being a big factor would be Longley, really, because he won the three titles with Jordan. Yeah, he did win the titles. But he was but, a role um, player. Yeah, that's right. Whereas she was the superstar. She was the leader. She was the focal point. Domestically, she was the Andrew Gaze of of the M- the WNBA. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that that's just a massive, massive deal. And um, as I said, it's disappointing that it didn't get all that exposure that it I probably should have. For a centre player, she played centre, that she could actually shoot as well, couldn't she? Yeah, well... Yeah, she won a few scoring titles, so... Yeah, but she um, could actually shoot. She wasn't necessarily a a layup or a dunk person, was she? No, she was... um, She's as good as anyone that's ever played over there. Yeah, she certainly had all the tools anyway. Oh, that's right, certainly. All right, so moving on, we've got combat sports, which, um, as we said, has a big focus on, excuse me, a couple of um, Aussie fights in particular in the boxing ring. Um. Now, the first one that we will discuss, we'll, we'll have a quick brief discussion on, is Zoo and um, what's his Michael name? Zarafa. Zarafa, that's right. Who I think, by memory, hangs out in Bendigo. I reckon I've read, I believe I've read somewhere um, before. He had a fight in Bendigo a few <laughs> oh, years ago. I'm not sure what the connection to Bendigo is, but I know he had the fight there. Um, but. Um, I think myself and Tim really are on the same page with this. Um, I don't think there's a lot 
for Zoo to get out of it, is there? Like he's 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 fought the best that Australia's had to offer, except for Zarafa. Um, and Zarafa's it's a big deal for Zarafa getting a fight with Tim Zoo. He's got a lot to lot to gain and and nothing to lose. Whereas it's a complete opposite for Tim Zoo. But I think it's just with the restrictions and how difficult it is to get overseas at the moment. Um, it's really probably one of the only fights that Tim could have taken. Yeah, and look, um, Zarafa's, um, you know, all it takes is one punch. People expect him to probably lose, whether the fight goes the distance or it get, goes late and gets stopped. So he's got nothing to lose. And Zoo, if, if Zoo accidentally, well, not accidentally, but it freakishly got knocked out or something like that, that could absolutely derail his career. Oh, absolutely, because he's sitting at 18 and 0 at the moment. Um, and as I said, this, this fight's only about a week away. Uh, sorry, a month, about a month and a week away. Um, we're towards the end of May. It's the first week of week of July, this one. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think that there's much in it for Tim Zoo. I understand why he's taking a fight to stay active and all that sort of stuff. And Zaraf has been very vocal um, about getting this fight. So it makes sense for him. But, yeah, I'm just, just not sold on what Tim Zoo's got to um, get out of it. But I'm just going to say here and now that um, he finishes – Tim Zoo finishes the rafter inside two rounds. That That's my prediction for the fight right there. I actually think it'll go a bit – I think we're talking about the fifth or sixth. But either way, I think it's a stoppage. Um, now, the, the other thing um, – Oh, I had something on my mind with the, with that fight in particular, but um, it's, I've lost it. So we'll move. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Um, with Zoo, um, the current champion, world champion in the weight division he fights in. Has, yeah, Charlo. He put the, um, you know, he sort of tried to deflect and making out that Zoo's not worthy of a title shot down the track. Is that correct? Um, look, I, I just think this is a bit of a beat-up. Um, there, there's a lot of people out there saying that Charlo's ducking Zoo and all that sort of stuff, and he's scared. Not the case at all. Not the case at all. Charlo's the world champion. He's got the WBC, WBA, and IBF titles. Um, so, yeah, there's no reason that he would he would run scared or duck anyone Um especially Tim Zhu, who's still yet to prove himself outside of Australia, really. He's a couple of fights over in the US away from anywhere near getting being in the discussion for a shot anyway. Um, I think he's got the profile which might elevate him, but I think you're right. He probably does need to go over there. and He's got to be some US top tens. One or two. Yeah, I think so. There's only so much talent here in Australia, um, and he's head and shoulders above the best that we've got to offer outside of himself. So... Um, yeah, hopefully after this Zarafa fight, he goes and get a couple of tune-up fights and then maybe we can be talking about him fighting for those belts that Charlo's got. Talking about Australian boxing talent. Um, the ex-rugby player, I refuse to men- um, mention his name on air, is taking on probably potentially a very, very talented 23-year-old heavyweight. Yep, so I'll... Uh... Justice Shuni. Now he had a fight just last week about against Christian Soy and just really picked him apart and didn't really get out of second gear. I didn't. Did you watch that fight? 
No, I've seen the highlights and I know um, – well, I nearly said his name. I know his next opponent had a bit of gobbing off in the media to say, which is probably trying to sell the fight, that sort of thing or whatnot. But uh, I would have thought um, uh, going the distance and winning comfortably says more than knocking the guy out in a few rounds. Yeah. Um, as we said, like, Huni, he just he just – almost toyed with Christian Soy at times. It was just a lot more clinical and, yeah, um, didn't get the finish, but um, just just showed us probably how how clinical he can be. Mm-hmm. And it might have just been a statement for Gallon as well. Um, you mentioned his name. Of, of what he – yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it could just be – being a bit of a – just wanted to showcase – that he can go the distance and a bit of his skills and all that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I just – Gallon is um, probably for outside of his depth <clears throat> here, you would have thought. Um, I'd argue he's out I've of I've bet his... against him the last – I've bet against him his last two fights. So, um, look, I'm going to back, back uni here to get the stoppage <clears throat> in probably, probably about round six. Um, but – I wouldn't be putting money on it because I lost a bit of money the last couple of times I've bet against Gallon. Yeah, I'll look, I'm the same, but I'll bet against him. Um, what I was going to say is I would argue that um, Herney's um, last opponent would probably beat Gallon as well. And I said Gallon's name, silly me. Um, look, that's probably not ridiculous to suggest. Mm, that's that's um, I'm just trying to highlight the difference we, in standards. <clears throat> Yeah, the, the, the difference in standard, but um, forget your personal feelings about Paul Gallen. Um, you can't teach the heart that he's got, and that's that's gonna gonna keep him in the fight for a little bit, I think. Well, don't don't get me wrong. I don't completely hate the guy. I just think he carries on like a wanker in the media. Since he's a poor man's Ali with the bullshit he talks, and, and yeah, crap. that's. Not much you can do about that, but look, he's proved that he's well. He's proved to me that he's better than I thought he was in the ring. So, yeah, um, I, I was going to say, maybe, don't, maybe I, he'll I prove me wrong him. again. I don't completely hate the man. I, I I actually sat in a um in a pub in Ballarat a few years ago when Cronulla beat the Storm in a grand final, and I was happy to see yep. Cronulla win. So, and Gallon was part oh, of that. Oh, that's because you don't like Melbourne Storm. Despise them anyway. That's enough said. <laughs> that's enough said. So that's um, our combat sports. We don't have much more in other sport, but we do have our multi-legs. And young Kimber has sent through his leg for our multi earlier on today for me. And his leg will be Brazil versus Ecuador, which is taking place on the 5th of June. At 10.30, and he wants Brazil for the win and over 1.5 goals at $1.45, which is, looking at the odds, is pretty good and likely to happen. So um, that'll be our first leg. Our second leg is mine, and I'm going with a similar bet to Phil. He gave me a bit of inspiration, but slightly better odds. My game is taking place, uh, I think, on the 4th 
of obviously um, June. And it's Argentina versus Chile. And I'm taking Argentina for a win and over 1.5 goals for a dollar eighty-three. Yeah, it's probably not too bad. Um, what are you gonna I'm, take? Um, I'm going over to the UFC um, next weekend. Let me get a pen uh, out so I can write down yours because I haven't got any record of it. Okay, so <laughs> The main event of this one is Augusto Saki mm-hmm. um, against Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Oh, thank um, goodness. Um, I didn't have to mention those names. Yeah, no, you would have struggled <laughs> with that one, um, which probably is as good a time as any to mention Borussia Mönchengladbach. I was actually thinking the same <laughs> thing. It, we, we missed that in the world game. <laughs> we, we did, but I got it in there just then, so I'm happy with that. Um, I'm going to go with... Rosenstrike mm-hmm. to defeat Saki by KO at $2.20. To win by KO at $2.20. Yep. All right. So I'll, I'll put the multi on. Um, it's probably why I'm waiting for the uh, upload um, once we finish recording. So that's it from us, really. Um, how are we going with the AFL episode? Any update for our listeners? Um, look, it's actually not too bad. We've got a bit of good feedback on there. Um, what I will do as well while I go, there's a couple of guys, they do they do a podcast up in Sydney and they do a little bit of what we do where um, they're, they're more focused on NRL. Yep. Um, and then they do discuss a lot of other sports as well a bit more briefly than than the NRL. Obviously, they go into a lot of depth into the NRL, um, as we do with the AFL, and then talk about other sports. So um, they're the Bats and Balls podcast. So just give a shout-out to them. Those, those guys actually listen to most episodes that we put out. Um, and, yeah, I'll listen to a lot of theirs as well. So if you can get behind them as well, that's that's good. Are they on your usual sort of podcast um, apps? Uh, I'm not sure. Not sure what they do, but I, we converse a lot with them on, on Twitter as well. So they're yep. fairly interactive as well. So I just wanted to give those guys a bit of a shout out. Yep. Uh, look, maybe at some stage we might be able to get one or two of them to jump on as guests for a few minutes and have a chat. Look, potentially that's something we could look at later on. Yeah, that'd be good. They seem no like um, um, ripping blokes and, um, yeah, they definitely know their stuff with NRL. So if you're looking for, for um, an NRL-based podcast, get on that one. Sounds good. All right. Well, we're at the end. Um, it's time to probably hit stop on the record and let Josh work his magic. So while we're at it, um, just like to thank Josh for his editing. That's Josh, Josh Watson with all that editing skills that you hear when um, you hear the final product. And he'll be utilising Zaggy 2's music. So that'll be good. Uh, we'll be back uh, probably in about three weeks' time with another AFL episode and then probably around about seven days after another one on this format. So um, what are the social media? Uh... Yep, so just search for us on Facebook, NPO Sports Podcast, um, and hit us up on Twitter at NPO Podcast. Sounds good. All right, well, enjoy your sport, listeners, and we will be back probably in about three to four weeks' time. So, hooroo. Thanks for tuning in, guys. 